The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lee Mod Williams. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here's your host, Lee Mod Williams. Voice America, what's up? It's G-Man. I'm uh, standing in for Lee Mod today. He's actually uh, not going to be in today. He had um, some college analysts... Uh, duties to do with uh, Comcast Sportsnet here in Houston, so I'll be taking the reins, and we're going to go ahead and get this this ship sailed. So uh, if you guys want to join us, uh, you can call 1-888-346-9144, and that's the number to join us if you'd like. Um, I also got uh, a colleague of mine, a, a guy who's also up and coming in the industry here in Houston, who uh, who wants to get his name out there as well, and I want to give him the opportunity to come onto the show today, and his name is Manny. Um, so he'll be helping me out today, and we'll be uh, running the show for about an hour here. So, uh, Manny, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell tell everybody about uh, who who you are and, and what you, what you do. No problem. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Manny's my name, and I run a website called TrueFanView.com. And on that website, uh, we run a podcast by the name of From the Nosebleeds, because in my opinion. True fans sit in the nosebleeds of stadiums across America. Those are the people that that actually buy their tickets and attend the games. Uh, and we've been up and running for about about three months now. We, we're 32 shows in. So uh, if you want to hear some of our content, and we've had people on like Peter Vesey, uh, Russell Baxter, uh, you know, just guest after guest, you can go to the website again. It's TrueFanView.com. All right, man. We appreciate that and. Glad to have you on today riding with me, and uh, we have a lot of sports to talk about, so uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right in today. Um, the first thing, we're going to go ahead and talk some college sports. I know that's a big deal, uh, college football season getting ready to start here, and uh, we have a lot of drama right now going around. Uh, we have Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, the main man as far as quarterback goes today in, uh, in, in, in A&M, and uh He's he's been under quite a bit of scrutiny for you guys that have been under a rock for the past four weeks. Johnny Manziel has actually um, encountered him, has been encountered with an investigation by the NCAA. Um, he's being investigated for signing autographs and and pocketing money for it, um, which we all know is definitely a violation of uh, NCAA rules. So I kind of wanted to get your opinion on it, Manny, and uh, after that I'll, I'll go ahead and give you mine, but. How do you feel about this whole Johnny Manziel situation, and, and do you think that he should be able to profit off of his own name? Actually, uh, you know, Johnny Manziel is the first freshman in the history of college football to win the Heisman. We know that. 
in my opinion, what that equates to is a college graduate buying a brand new house and not being able to live in it. How can an individual at any level, uh, whether it be freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, win the most prestigious award in college football and not be able to profit off of that? And a lot of people go to the, well, it's not fair to the other athletes card. Um, what about all the other sports? Just to sum it up for you real quick, here, here, here's my opinion. In football, if you, want, if you want that, I guess, luxury of winning a Heisman and gaining a profit off of it, play better, win the Heisman. It's that simple. Now, if you want to make it a fair thing across the entire scope of college athletics, what you can do is every, each individual sport has its own highest honor. You know, the basketball teams, they have the National Player of the Year, and I'm sure it's the same way for soccer teams and softball teams. Um, grant them the same, uh, you know, grant them the same privilege. If, I mean, it's crazy to me that Johnny Manziel, as a freshman, you know, he, he's written down in the history books as doing something no one's ever done, yet it's just, it's, it's just a trophy. And, yes, it's the Heisman Trophy, but, I mean, let's face it, folks, when you get into college athletics, what's the goal? The goal is to get you through college and prosper and become wealthy and, you know, not so much fame, but monetary value, is it's got to be your number one priority when you're going through college. You're not going through college to become a better person. You're going through college to set yourself up for the rest of your life, and that's just my opinion on it. Exactly, man. I guess I feel the same way you do now. I am a big proponent of following the rules. I do think that Manziel, he deserves to profit off of his own name. But being that the rules are what they are, you kind of have to follow them. And I hate to say that, but it's true. Now, I feel like the NCAA is a, a walking contradiction. They tell you that you can't, you can't profit off of your own name, but yet these universities are making millions of dollars off of these kids and they're profiting off of their name. Now, you look at Johnny Manziel, and the university, A&M, actually made $120 million last year off of its football program. The head coach, Kevin Sumlin, actually got $1.1 million, million raise in his salary for Johnny Manziel and A&M's performance last year and how far they went. Now, I think that I feel the same way that you do. I think that college athletics, you should be able to profit off of your own name because it is your name. And if a university can do it, obviously I think that you can. Now, what I think that should happen is maybe you forego your scholarship. Say, you know what, I'm not going to have a scholarship through the university. I'm only strictly going to make the money off of what my name profits off of. And I think that that would be a better way to go about it because then each individual has an opportunity to either take the scholarship and not be able to profit any money, or they just have to they just have to go go forth and, and try to make a name for themselves and grind it out. Like you said, you want to be the best, then then win the Heisman. But um, I think that that's my view viewpoint on that. I mean, how do you feel? Do you think that there should be a rule change, or do you think that it should stay as it is and people should just get paid? Actually, I'll break it down to you short and sweet. I know it could be get, it get more complicated if it ever comes into process. But what I would do if I woke up tomorrow and I was head of NCAA, I would say this. Regular students that go to school and do not participate in athletics, for example, my wife, uh, they can work 40 hours and still attend classes and still obtain their degree. So when they graduate college, they actually have the upper hand 
on these athletes who are not able to, to go out and work 40 hours a week, even in the summertime. They can't earn the type of money to set them up for after, after their time at the university. So what do we do? We set up for, whether it be for an athlete or just a regular student, there should be a program installed that allows athletes and students alike to go get, if not, if not selling their own likeness like we're talking about now, go ahead and go get a, a part-time job or maybe even a 40-hour-a-week job, a full-time job during the summer and earn money. Where does that money go? That money must go to the university in a student trust that's set up by the university. Now, the university tells the athletes, okay, we're going to hold on to this money, and what you're required to do is complete a financial course that we set up for you that's going to teach you the responsibilities of how to, to manage your money once you exit the university level. Once completion, and they have to go to class, there's no skipping out on class, it's special privilege for athletes. You have to attend and you have to pass. Once you do that, you build it into the core curriculum of, of whatever their major is, and upon completion of that program, whether they've graduated yet or not, they'll receive that money that they've earned off their likeness or at their job. That's my solution. That's actually a great suggestion. If you think about it, you, you look at the way that these universities are profiting, you look at the way the kids could profit, but you also look at the next level. When you see NFL players such as Vince Young who have blown through millions of dollars um, and not not spend it properly, if you have some sort of financial course built in, you, you, you tend to not feel as sorry for those guys who have blown through their money. You have some sort of financial responsibility when you do that. So I definitely think that that would be a, a great idea. Um, that hasn't come to mind for me, but that's, that's definitely a, a good place to go. Now, really quickly before we wrap, wrap up the segment, it looks like the NCAA is going to pursue this investigation. Now, if it comes to a point where Johnny Football has to miss football games, what do you think the university should do um, as far as either sitting him out before the beginning of the season for the first three games, or do you think that they should allow him to play and see if they get fines and sanctions such as the ones that Reggie Bush had uh, had gotten against uh, USC? Honestly, I, if, if the NCAA, after Jay Billis has exposed them for the frauds that they are, basically causing the NCAA to shut down their website that sells merchandise. And if, 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 like George says, you've been under the rock the last four weeks, NCAA does not put the names of the players on the back of their jerseys because they say it doesn't represent their likeness. Yet if you go into, well, you can't anymore because the, shot, the site is actually shut down. If you went into the search bar and typed in Johnny Manziel, what would you get? You got Texas A&M number two jerseys. Jay Billis, who is a college basketball analyst for ESPN, he went in and put about 30 to 40 guys' names into that search bar, and they all came up with the respective jersey that that player wore. Upon making this public, the NCAA shut down its website completely. A couple hours after Jay Billis made it public, they shut down the search bar, and a couple hours after that, they completely shut down the site total. I mean, it, it doesn't exist anymore. So... Regarding this this investigation, I think they should just close the NCAA should just close the books on it, turn the other way, and basically not embarrass themselves more than they've already been embarrassed. Because you have Teddy Bridgewater, you have Javon uh, Javon Clowney, uh, who, who on 
on the same guy's website that's claiming Johnny Manziel signed his 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 articles, he has these players on his website as well. So it's not just Johnny Manziel. And I don't think the NCAA wants to open up that Pandora's box. So in my opinion, they need to just close the book on it and let it be. Plus, I mean, really, do they really want Johnny Manziel to miss the game against Alabama and College Station? It wouldn't be smart on their part. Yeah, that would be a, a really dumb move. And, you know, it, it looks like the NCAA is going to have to do something about this investigation. The thing about it is if there are multiple players that are involved in it, they're going to start losing a lot of their money. So they, I know they don't want that to happen. So they're just going to simply have to, to close the books and just let this be. These kids need to be able to profit off their own name and change your rules. You're, you're back in the, in the 1980s, 19. 1970s, 1960s, you know, your, your rules are ancient, and you gotta, you got to change it up. So um, it's coming up on the end of the segment, guys, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, stay tuned, and next, uh, next up we'll be talking to some NFL, close this chapter in college football. Um, so, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back on uh, Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia college sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Voice America, we're back for the second segment. 
Uh, I am George, better known as G-Man. Uh, stepping in for Lamont today, he had a little gig to do with uh, Comcast Sportsnet Houston, um, doing some college analyst work for them. So he w- won't be in today, but he will be back next week. Um, for right now, we have Manny stepping in. And uh, Manny, you still there with me? I'm here. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into this next segment. We talked a little college football the first segment, Johnny Manziel. And now we're going to go into the NFL, which we're all excited that it's started now. I've been waiting for the NFL since February when the Super Bowl um, ended. So I'm ready for the NFL. We're happy about it. But we have some, some news-making headlines. I know we haven't been here for the past couple of weeks, so I want to, I want to touch base on uh, this point. Uh, we had uh, about a week ago, Riley Cooper came out, and there was a video that was exposed that he used a racial slur towards a guard at a Kenny Chesney concert, and um, he since apologized for that action. But I kind of want to get you to gauge this, Manny. I want to see how you feel about it. I know that uh, the N-word is a very, very bad term that we don't like to use uh, nowadays, and it's it's a racial slur, so we try to steer away from it. But what what do you what do you see when you look at a situation like this and a guy coming out and apologizing after using it so freely and easily? Well, I mean, let's face the facts. Let's be real about this situation. Hey, Riley Cooper was intoxicated. Okay, let's look at that. What do they say about being intoxicated? Sometimes your true feelings come out when you're intoxicated. I'm not mm-hmm. saying about that about Riley Cooper. I'm just saying that's what people say. B, the majority of the NFL, the percentage of black players in the NFL by far outweighs the percentage of any other ethnicity in the NFL. Now, it's unfortunate, but that word has become embedded into our culture today. It's in movies, the Django Unchained, it's in, it's in music, uh, it, it's everywhere. And so it doesn't surprise me that Riley Cooper used it. Um, if, if I didn't know it was directed at a, at, at a certain individual, so I would say, yeah, it's in our culture, it's embedded in our culture, what can you do? Everyone says it, white people, Mexicans, you know, Latinos, Asians, I've heard every ethnicity around me use that word in some form or fashion if I happen to be in a certain location of town or at a club or at a bar. The word gets thrown around now like experts like to throw around the word elite when they're talking about NFL quarterbacks. So that being said, I mean, you know, it was dumb of him to do because, A, of who he was or who he is, his stature in the NFL uh, he's a known name. He's not a superstar, but he's a known name. And just people have to be—they have to be smart about their surroundings and about what people are capable of now. Video, phone, cameras, and and you know all of the technology we have available to us. You just have to be smarter about it. And you know, I'm I'm on I'm on board with you. I, I wish we could do away with the word, um, but unfortunately, that's not reality. Reality is, like I said earlier, it's embedded into our society. And it's it's a sad state of affairs, you know. It is, man, and it, it sucks because you look at the 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 back line, the, the the actual story of that word and the way that it came to fruition, and it's just it's a horrible word. It's a horrible thing to say to anyone. Um, I don't care if you're you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whoever you are, using that word towards someone is just disrespectful, plain out. And the way it rolled off of his tongue, I think, is what bothered me the most because it was just so easy for him to say. It's like it's like it was part of his language, like you said, part of the American society's language. But the way that he said it, he just said it with so much 
hatred in his voice. And I just think that when you're a public figure in any any arena, not just football, I'm talking about Olympians, I'm talking about presidents, I'm talking about governors, anyone, anyone who can use these type of, of words or, or, or can can affect the way that a young person thinks needs to really be, like you said, mindful of their surroundings. I don't I don't care where he's at. He could be in the comfort of his own home. He shouldn't be using that word because he has to look at himself as a role model for whoever looks up to him in life. And I think that at the end of the day, anyone who's able to just use a word like that or to to be able to to just be as, as rude and, and mean as he was toward that security guard what else are they capable of, you know? And it's it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs, and it 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 kind of upset me more that he came out and apologized about it, because I feel like that wasn't a true apology. I think he just he was he was sorry that he got caught. He wasn't sorry that he said it. He he didn't. This happened a few months ago. If he was sorry that he said it, he would have came out with a statement before the video came out. He's not sorry that he said it. He's sorry that he got caught saying it, and that's what frustrates me the most. And then the Eagles put him through, oh, you don't have to practice with the team, go to therapy. What are you going to do in therapy about saying the N-word? You can't, you can't go to therapy for that. What are they going to do? Sit you down and, and make, you, make you watch historical movies and, and, and really start to appreciate the other race? You, do, you, either, you either are who you are or you, or, or you just don't fess up to it. But he can't come out and apologize a few months after this happens and expect me to believe that his apology is genuine because – I feel he's only sorry that he got caught. What do you feel? Well, let me turn the tables and ask you a question. What if Riley Cooper was approached about this situation and his first response is something along the lines of, hey, it's the culture I live in. I spend the majority of my time for nine months of the year with black men who use it on the regular because, I mean, like I said, let's be realistic. That word is probably tossed around pretty often in an NFL locker room, you know. And and I'm talking about the – the GA version, not the ER version, uh, right. which, I mean, I'm sure everybody by now knows the difference. How would you feel if he just came out and said, you know what, it's just the culture I'm around nine months out of 12, and my teammates have never had a problem with me saying it, and it was in a situation where, you know, I was reacting naturally because that's how I, that's how I am. That's the culture I'm in nine months out of 12. How would you feel about that? I think if it, if if he would have come out and said that, I would have actually respected him a little bit more. And I'm not saying that I respect him using the word. I'm saying that I respect him for being who he was and not apologizing for something that he he really wasn't sorry about. Because, like I said, I feel he's only sorry that he got caught. It's not It's not a fact of, oh, I'm sorry that I said the word that should have never come out of my mouth. If that was the case, he would have come out far before this and said, you know what, I made a horrible mistake. I want to make a public apology to this security guard who was doing his job at this at this uh, concert, and I just want to apologize to him. I was drunk. I had no business saying that. If he would have come out and said that a few months ago when this happened, I think that that would I would have felt more genuine about that. But because he waited until he got caught, because he waited until the video surfaced, I think I, I lose a little bit of respect for his apology because it, it's sort of like. It's sort of like if you, if your child is to do something, and they they don't tell you that they're sorry for it until they get caught for it, right? So it's one of those things. You, he he's only apologizing because he got caught. I don't think he's apologizing because he's genuinely sorry for using the word. That's why I say I would respect him a little bit more if he came out and said, you know what, that is my culture. 
I I am around that a lot. And and if it offended you, I do apologize. But that's just the way that this society is nowadays. And you know, I I I would I would respected him a little bit more for owning up to what he did instead of saying that he's sorry for it when he really isn't. And there's two types of accountability that we face in society of today. And to me, the real, true accountability is slowly fading away in our country. It's mm-hmm. the accountability of doing exactly what we just talked about. Yes, I'm accountable for, for saying that word to this man, calling him this name, and I truly apologize, which is genuine. It's sincere. It's something the public can latch onto and say, okay, we understand the culture angle of it. He understands that that guy got offended, and he's truly sorry that he offended that guy. And then you have the fake accountability, the soft accountability, which is exactly what we're talking about now, what you just said. The only reason why he felt he needed to apologize is because he got caught. That's not accountability. That's fake accountability. And fake accountability is happening more and more and more every day in our country, not just at the professional sports level. I'm talking about in corporate America and industries across the country. People are realizing that it's almost like they know if they say I'm sorry that all will be forgiven and forgotten. And so now it's come to a point where we as people are taking advantage of that, and it's not sincere. So, you know, just my opinion. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. I think that we need to start being more accountable for our actions the minute that they happen, you know. And, you know, speaking of being accountable for your actions, uh, Tony Romo tends to throw a lot of interceptions. I know that's a weird segue. He needs to be a little bit more accountable for those interceptions. Now, Travis Johnson was on Comcast Sportsnet recently, and he came out saying that Tony Romo robbed the Cowboys. Um, I'm not a big Tony Romo fan myself. I, I, don't, I haven't been um, – I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Tony Romo. I think that he is a pretty overrated quarterback. But how do you feel about that statement saying that, uh, that, that Tony Romo has pretty much hijacked this organization and his, his exact words were that he's killing the Cowboys. So uh, how do you feel about that? Well, if Travis Johnson is, and I can't quote Travis Johnson, and if memory serves me correct, he's been asked, because he's been on local radio a lot here lately. Uh, He's made his way back to Houston, and he's making his rounds on all the sports talk stations here in Houston. And I can't quote him because I don't obviously remember the exact quote, but I know he's shown support for the Houston Texans quarterback, Matt Schaub, which which, which I find funny because Schaub and Romo, to me, are, are lateral quarterbacks. They're equal to one another. So if he's going to say Tony, if he's going to support Matt Schaub and say, yes, the Texans can win a Super Bowl with Matt Schaub, how are you going to turn around and basically tell Tony Romo that he's robbing the Cowboy when they're essentially the same exact quarterback? The only difference is Tony's a little bit more mobile. He can throw the ball. He can throw a little better deep ball than Matt Schaub. But if you look at their numbers and you look at their just late-season, late-game meltdowns, they're the exact same guy. So, and not to mention, you know, Travis Johnson was a first-round pick here for the Houston Texans, got paid well, you know, and did absolutely nothing. I mean, got to the point where they ran him out, ran him out of town, and basically his NFL career is over without ever accomplishing anything. So to say that Tony Romo robbed the Cowboys, you know, you know, hello, Kettle, meet Mr. Meet Mr. Pot, if you know what yeah. I'm saying. It, it was just, you know, but, you know, Travis Johnson is that kind of guy. You put a microphone in front of his face, and he's going to say something to to strike the nerve, to shuffle the deck, you know, to get a reaction. He, he He's just naturally that type of guy. There's nothing wrong with it, you know, but if you buy into it, you may want to take a look in the mirror 
and kind of reassess your situation. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. He He's a guy who came to Houston with a first-round pick. Most would say he's a first-round bust because he what he accomplished in his six years in the NFL was three sacks um, <laughs> in six seasons um, and $10 million. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. He he did. He, he robbed the Texans, if anything. So uh, I definitely I, I agree with that. And I think that Travis Johnson – He's the type of guy who his name's not really out there right now, so he's trying to get a lot of exposure, I believe. And he's yeah. going to say stuff, like you said, to strike a nerve and to kind of to kind of see how people will react. Um, he's he's obviously getting a lot of uh, publicity from it. ESPN had an article on it, and um, today on on outside the lines, they actually had um, uh, actual segment about it. So. He's getting a lot of exposure, and I think that that's one of those things that that's what he wanted. So he's accomplishing what he what he set out to do. But right now, we're looking like we're going to wrap this segment up. Uh, if you guys want to join us for the next segment, go ahead and call in 888-346-9144. Um, you're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. flagship station for sports voice america sports football and so much more is the focus of planet gridiron with damian anderson join the former arizona cardinals running back for a show that mixes well a little bit of everything damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and, of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, Voice America. We're back on the show again for segment number three. I'm um, still here with Manny. Manny, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. 
So uh, you guys heard the number, 888-346-9144, if you guys want to give us a call, um, get in on this show. Uh, this segment, we're going to go ahead and segue from the, I guess, TMZ-type headlines for the NFL to some of the more serious headlines on the field, things that, that might affect some of your favorite teams out there. Um, we're going to look into some of the injuries that have actually been going on in the NFL. It looks like there's been a rash of of injuries in the NFL this season, and it's sad to say, but a lot of your your favorite teams out there are going to be affected by these injuries. It's it's uh it's been kind of an outbreak of ACL tears um, and, and knee injuries. So today, Tom Brady was at practice and and was uh, was hit during a drill, and he actually injured his knee. Um, now, Patriots fans can rest assured Tom Brady is fine. They just pulled him out for, for precautionary reasons, um, and the MRI was actually negative. We just we just uh, received confirmation of that before the show. So, I'm I'm just wondering. You look at a list of of, of injuries that are among the likes of Jeremy Macklin and Michael Crabtree and Dennis Pitta, all of which have ACL tears, and then Percy Harvin up in in Seattle who has a hip injury, who's having to have hip surgery, he's probably going to be out until week 13. Why the rash of sudden injuries, uh, Manny? Why, why do you think we're, so many of the players are getting injured now? Well, to us Houston fans also, uh, Malcolm Floyd and just went down with the sprained knee, and Denario Alexander, wide receivers for the Chargers, who the Texans play in week one, Denario Alexander's out for the year. And it's interesting you ask me that question, there's a website here in Houston. Uh, it's called HoustonMediaWatch.com, and it's basically guys who listen to sports talk all day, and they blog about it. Well, they actually – one of their good friends of the, of the website is Marcus Coleman, ex-Houston Texan. He wrote a piece for the website explaining his idea of why players are getting injured, and he thinks the CBA is actually more harmful. The new CBA with the less contact is more harmful to the players than the way it was back in the good old days. And his explanation for that was when you work out in the offseason, you work all your bigger muscles, your obvious muscles, your thighs, your calves, your pecs, your biceps. He says what training camp does, he says, believe it or not, the contact part of training camp, what that does is it conditions muscles around the tendons and the ligaments in the knees, the ankles, the elbows, and the hips. Now, when you don't, when you don't have the right amount of contact in training camp, uh, what can happen is, you can get into a situation where those muscles around the ligament aren't where they need to be, and therefore there's no longer protection around that ligament. And he thinks this is a big reason why players are going down is because of, of the less contact rule that the new CBA uh, has put into place. And I actually agree with him. Um, I'm a firm believer of, you know, you're going to play how you practice. Well, how can you practice for six weeks with hardly any contact whatsoever and then expect to go into week one full bore and, you know, you have, you have 22 guys running into each other like car crashes every play, yet they weren't conditioned to do that. So interesting, interesting article on that. You want to check that out, UCMediaWatch.com. And I agree with Mark. I don't think there's enough hitting. I don't think it's physical enough in training camp. And ultimately, I think it's going to, cost, it's going to cause more harm than it will good. I definitely agree with that article as well, and that's a point that, that I have made myself before I, I haven't even gotten a chance to read that article, but that's the point that I made that the new CBA is really hurting these players more because like you said, you're not able to go out and hit the way that you normally would. And, and the body is a delicate thing. And, and these guys condition their body all throughout the off season. 
they're eating the right things, they're doing the right things to make sure that their body is in tip-top condition. But you cannot simulate car crashes. You cannot simulate the type of hits that you're going to take during a game. And when, you, when you're in practice, that's the best time to take those hits. And I think that a lot, of, a lot of the NFL wants to keep their star players healthy as much as possible and not really have to worry about these players getting injured during practice because that loses marketability for the games. And I think that that's a big proponent in why the NFL wants less contact. But I think that they're hurting themselves. It's a catch-22. You can either get hurt in practice or you can get hurt during a game. And I think the NFL would rather them get hurt during a game then get hurt during practice. Now, I know that sounds kind of savage, but I just think that that's the way the NFL thinks. It makes them more money if they get hurt during the game because you're going to tune into that game regardless if that player if that player's off the field, you're not going to tune in. So I think that at the end of the day, the NFL has to kind of look at these, these new rules, and, and we need to make sure that when our players are out there, there there's some sort of contact because, like you said, your ligaments and things like that, around, you know, these muscle groups and different things like that, you have to make sure that you're, you're some, there's some sort of contact there. So, and, and, and also another big proponent that the NFL has been pushing in regards to injuries, I think that this has a lot to do with injuries as well, is HGH testing. Now, they're close to a deal uh, with the players and being able to test for these HGH. And it's, it's crazy because, I honestly feel like HGH is actually not a big deal. It, it does give you an advantage, but if everybody can have that advantage, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? Um, basically, for those of you who don't know, HGH is human growth hormone. It's actually a natural thing that occurs in our body. It, it helps to, to regrow yourself and to heal, heal you faster. So um, some people have high levels of HGH. Some people have lower levels of HGH. But when you take the the supplement for HGH, it actually helps you to heal faster. So I look at it from this perspective for the NFL. Why not allow players to use HGH to heal faster, to be back on the field quicker, and you don't have to worry about these injuries keeping them out for that long in the season. And, look, this is a big thing for you, NFL, since, since you are so adamant about making your money. Your star players – We'll be back out on the field a lot faster. I think that you have to look at the look at the facts of HGH, and the fact is, it it, it doesn't really hurt. It helps. So why not do something that's going to allow the game to be better? Um, I'm not sure how you feel about this, Manny, but I mean that's my my point of view on it. My I mean my opinion on it is this: set the rules, put them in stone, and then go buy them. Basically, what we're talking about is just the HGH. You know, it's it's one of those things where you have to really look at it and is it going to benefit the league? Is this going to be something that the league will be able to, to use as a benefit? And if you ask me, the answer is yes. Um, HGH can only help. It doesn't hurt. And I, uh, I'm a big proponent of if something's going to allow your player to come back quicker, um, if something's going to allow your player to be able to heal faster, if something's going to allow the game to be enhanced, why not? That's my view on it. Why not? I mean, HGH doesn't harm your players. It's not gonna. It's not gonna make their career any less. But but it'll extend some careers. So why not? I mean, I guess that's my big question to you, NFL. Why not? It, it, you have Dennis Pitta, 
who was out with an ACL tear. Uh, Michael Crabtree, he injured his ACL far before the uh, before the preseason started. If he had HGH, do you think his 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 healing process would go by quicker? These physical therapists and these doctors can only do so much. And I think that if you have a supplement that's out there that's going to allow you to grow, that's going to allow you to be a part of something bigger, I think that uh, I think that you're 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 not hurting your your brand. So it, it, to wrap that up, to wrap the whole point of HGH up, do it, just do it. You know, it's it's not not that big of a deal. So. A lot of uh, a lot of people are worried about some of these injuries and how it's going to affect their team. Uh, we spoke about Tom Brady and how his injury might affect the Patriots. Now you look at a Patriots team who's already lost Aaron Hernandez and roughly all the receiving targets for that matter for uh, Tom Brady this year. And, and an injury on Tom Brady would have really done them in for the season. So we're glad to see that that bullet was dodged, um, and we don't have to worry about that for today. Uh, but let's move on to uh, to Texans. We have uh, we have a little bit of Texans action going on uh, this past this past week. They had their first preseason game, um, which we really didn't get to see a lot of the starters. But for um, what we did see, it was it was a pretty pretty good game. Uh, we we had DeAndre Hopkins catch his first NFL touchdown. Uh, as as a professional football player, that's always a big accomplishment to to get your first touchdown. Um, and he he did a, a good job. He, he's everything that the Texans have planned for him to be. So uh, the Texans are very excited to have um, DeAndre Hopkins, and they definitely uh, they definitely got a steal there in the first round. So, um, but. Um, the Texans also got to see a glimpse of their their two running backs that are battling for that third position in the uh, in the rankings under under Arian Foster and under Ben Tate. Um, we got to see Sierra Wood as well as um, DJ is what they call him, um, Dennis Johnson. He uh, he actually didn't get to do do as much as he wanted to. The blocking that he received was not as good. So uh, so they're looking to to expand on that a little bit in this next coming up game against the Dolphins here in Houston. So um, Dennis Johnson is a running back out of uh, Arizona or Arkansas uh, who was one of the, the leading rushers for his team in, in Arkansas. And uh, he, he, he did a great job, a phenomenal job with what he was working with. There were a few plays where he got stopped behind the line of scrimmage and still managed to, to gain a few yards before being stopped, so he was hit back four yards deep and got back to the line of scrimmage or one yard behind the line of scrimmage, and that's something you always like to see in your running backs. So uh, we'll get to some more Texans talk here after the break. Uh, you're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Voice America, we're back on. Uh, sorry about the technical difficulties this last segment. But um, we're, we're, we're rolling on through. Uh, Manny, you back on the line? I'm here, bud. All right. We had a little drop call, but that's all good. Pick up the ball and keep rolling. So uh, we're back here on uh, your Voice America Sports Network. I'm G-Man. Um, as you all know, Lamont couldn't make it this week. He's uh, doing uh, Comcast Sportsnet Houston, um, doing some college analyst work for them. So he's out there doing his stuff on his grind. So he has me. G-Man on the on the ones and twos, I guess, uh, taking taking over the controls, and uh, we're, we're heading right into this Texans talk. Now, I got to elaborate a little bit on how I felt the Texans' first preseason game was in the last segment, but I want I want Manny to go ahead and give his opinion on it as well because I know he's a big fan of the Texans, and uh, I know you got to take your fan cap off sometimes. But you know how how do you feel about your team? How do you feel that uh, the Texans have done so far? as far as their off-season goes, and as far as uh, the outlook on what they might do? I mean, I obviously, I, I love their draft. Their draft is absolutely fantastic. We got exactly what we needed, and we were even able to build depth at certain spots on the team, on the roster that was needed as well. Now, there was just so much buzz over DJ Swearinger and, and, and New Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, during rookie, rookie camp and OTAs and into, uh, into training camp. And I think we saw... We saw one of the two step up and really show maybe a glimpse of the future for Texans fans, and that was DeAndre Hopkins with his touchdown catch and a couple of the catches that he had during the game. Now, you know, D.J. Swanger missed a tackle that led to a 61-yard touchdown run. Me, personally, I looked at it as, ah, he's a rookie. He went high on an NFL-sized fullback. He's going to learn that he can't do that out in the flat. With a, whether it be a fullback or a tight end, D.J. Swanger will learn he's going to have to go low. It's something a rookie needs to learn. He'll do that. So I'm not overly concerned at that, at that one play. But other than that, I mean, he had, he had great plays on defense 
tackling wise. After that, I think he he kind of knocked off the rust a little bit, I guess it was, and and, and showed well in the tackling game. Uh, what what pleased me most about the Texans was they only had five penalties in the game, and that's that's really really low for a first preseason game. Knowing your twos and threes are spending most of the time on the field, and hopefully that translates to the first team too. Because if you think back to last season, which I know Texans fans hate, what what hurt the what hurt the Texans in the last six weeks of last year was their inability to avoid the penalty, whether it be on offense and defense. A lot of people don't pay much attention to that, and I haven't heard it being talked about a lot. But go back and look at the tape, look at the stats, look at the scorecard, and the Texans were getting penalized more in the last six weeks of the season than they were in the first ten, which tells me they were a tired team, they probably weren't mentally focused, and maybe they bought into into their own hype of starting off 11-1. and one. Um, I was fairly pleased with Saturday's performance, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to – or Friday night, excuse me. I, I'm looking forward to this Saturday night's game for sure. Um, and I'm actually just wondering – I'm going to ask you – I'm wondering why Arian Foster has yet to put on a pair of shoulder pads and a helmet. That's a big question for me, too, and I think that's being underplayed by a lot of the Texans organization and a lot of the media around Houston. I don't think that anyone wants to make a big deal of it, but you're the starting running back for an NFL franchise. You are one of the faces of the franchise. You are the guy who was the league's leading rusher just two years ago. So the fact that you haven't suited up and we're already going to preseason week two I think that's something to to be concerned about if you're a Houston Texans fan. I think that in the end of the day, you look at what happened to your season last year, and the Houston Texans dearly missed Brian Cushing. You know, with with injuries that, that occurred on in in their linebacker depth last year, that's what kept them from going further than what they could have gone. And if you look at your running back position, it's a very key position for the Houston Texans, just for the simple fact that they're a play action team. The Houston Texans run first, and they use a run to set up the pass. That's what a play-action team does. And the Houston Texans will dearly miss Arian Foster if he's out for an extended period of time. Now, hopefully this is just a precautionary thing. Hopefully the Texans are just looking to extend Arian Foster throughout the season and to prevent any type of additional injuries that might happen. Because when you look at your legs as a running back, that's your most important part. If he pulls a hamstring or he strains his calf even more, tears something, he's out for the season. I would much rather Aaron Foster lose the first three preseason games and be back for the fourth preseason game and and start week one than him to come back week one of the preseason and end up out by week one of the regular season. I just think that's a, a, a precaution that the Texans are looking to make, and I think that in the end of the day, you have to look at longevity for your team. You already have Ed Reed, who you picked up during the off season, who's battling an injury as well. And I think that you need to look at that and, and really, really just just be cautious because you're already missing one of your your center fielders, your main guy on defense. Don't don't allow the offense to to get hurt as well. So, I think that it's being underplayed. I think it is a bigger deal than what it is, but hopefully it's just a precaution. What about you? Well, I think, you know, and I've talked to several people here in Houston Radio and and a couple of people who follow our podcast who say that the Houston Texans just paid Arian Foster. So now he's just no longer an unrestricted free agent running back that's coming into his own. He's now an asset to the Houston Texans. And they said that the Houston Texans have every right to protect that asset. 
which I agree with. And if you look back on the late stages of LaDainian Thomason's career with the Chargers and the Jets, they did the same thing. The only difference between what happened then and what's happening now is LaDainian Thomason was taking reps in practice throughout the week, Mm -hmm. and he was just not participating in the game. Arian Foster is not taking reps in practice. And not to go all conspiracy theory on everybody, I'm a diehard Texas fan, I love my team, but I have to think back to Arian Foster's offseason. He was on Hawaii Five O, which had him spend time in Hawaii filming. And I want to say he filmed, he's in a movie that's going to come out sometime this year, maybe early next year, that he spent a lot of time filming. Is it possible that Arian Foster's out of shape? Is it possible that he didn't really do the things that he needed to do this offseason to get ready for the season and he came into camp out of shape? And instead of, this is going to be a nice segue, and instead of the Texans allowing the media here in Houston to talk about it and it becoming a national story, what they want us to focus on is whether or not Gary Kubiak's going to allow J.J. Watts to play offense. <laughs> That's definitely a good point. And, I mean, I, I get I get the opportunity that not a lot of people get, and that's to be out at some of the Texans' practices uh, because I do work for the organization. I do get that opportunity. And I've seen Aaron Foster out there, and he's at the judge machine. He's working with Matt Schaub after practice. Um, he's still running around, and he looks, I mean, he looks about as good as anyone can look with no shoulder pads on. And I think that he's, he's able to run and he's just, I think they're being very cautiously optimistic with him, but that's a good point that you bring up about the whole JJ Watt thing. Is this, is, is it just me or is this just ridiculous? You have your biggest threat on defense and one of the best defenders to play the game. Maybe, in, maybe he can potentially build his career to be, the history's best defender, but for right now, the best defender in the NFL, and you're wanting to play him on offense? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? It's 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 ridiculous. Don't 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 try to fix what's not broken. I guess is what I'm trying to say. JJ Watt needs to stay on the defensive side of the ball, and his only priority needs to not be catching catching passes from his own quarterback, but catching passes from the opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this whole offensive deal, the fact of the matter is I was pretty disappointed when Gary Kubiak didn't come out nationally and publicly and completely, absolutely obliterate the AFC coaching staff in the Pro Bowl when J.J. Watt lined up at wideout. Because that's not what he does. That's not what we want him to do as fans. That's not what the Texans organization wants him to do as who's going to be their highest-paid football player after this season, I believe. So mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed that Gary Kubiak didn't run the AFC coaching staff in the Pro Bowl through the cold after seeing that because it was idiotic. What if he jumps up and he comes down and he busts his ACL? I mean, it totally could have happened. You know, at that point, J.J. hadn't played a football game in over three weeks uh, because they lost in the divisional round to New England. So, yeah, it's just it's just a fun time story that, that, that most fans here in Houston are going to eat up and they're going to run with it. And, you know, J.J. Watt, he's shown in the past that he's a fun guy. You know, he likes to do different things. And, you know, basically, if you don't know and you're listening nationally, I'm sure you've heard of J.J. Watt and seen some of the national coverage. But you have to understand, J.J. Watt here in Houston is Captain America. He's Captain America and he's Superman all rolled into one to a Texans fan base. And deserving so. Deservedly so. He deserves that kind of praise. But as far as him on offense, just put it to bed. I mean, you can imagine all you want, but just let it go, Houston media. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And it's funny that you talk about how popular he is here in Houston because 
you look at a guy who, when he was drafted, got booed by pretty much everybody who was a Texans fan. They wanted, uh, I believe Nick Fairley was the defensive lineman that they wanted. He ended up going to Detroit. And who's Nick Fairley again? That's basically what I'm saying because nobody he hasn't he hasn't been seen since the draft. So he's one of those guys that that ended up being a dud. And JJ Watt is a stud. He's he's done everything the organization has asked him to do and then some. So his biggest his biggest accomplishments and his biggest worries need to be on the defensive side of the ball because that's what the Texans drafted him to do. So put it to bed. Go ahead and read a, a bedtime story for it because it's not going to happen. If you're if you're a fan of it, I'm I'm so sorry to to break your heart and hurt your feelings, but it's just not going to happen. Uh, JJ Watt is a defender. He will always be a defender. And unless by some stretch of the imagination every single tight end for the Texans gets hurt, I don't see him being the guy they go to. They'll probably go to somebody else. Um, they'll look for somebody in free agency or something like that. But J.J. Watt is definitely not going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Good story to think about, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I guess to, to close this segment out and, and just to give you a real quick opinion, uh, how do you think the Texans will fare this season? And then, uh, if you have them losing anybody, who do you have them losing to? I think they're going to lose maybe one, if not two, games in that stretch early on in the season where they face Baltimore, Seattle, and San Francisco back-to-back. Um, the, actual, the first seven weeks of the schedule, is, it's so brutal for the Texans. I mean, it really is. You get you know San Diego and Tennessee, who they should beat on paper, and then you just go through a rough shot through week seven until the bye, and then they come out of the bye, and they get a little reprieve. They play the Raiders and, and the Cardinals and the Jaguars. Um, so as of right now, I don't like making predictions until after the last preseason game, but I will for the sake of your show. I'm thinking right now they finish 12-4 and four once again, um, but I think 12-4 and four this year is going to be good enough to wrap up the one seed. Okay. Well, we appreciate your prediction. Uh, I want to thank Manny for being on. Uh, I heard the music, so we got to go ahead and cut it up, wrap it up. But thank you very much, Manny, for being on the show with us today. And uh, like I said, we'll be here next week. Uh, Lemont should be back, so it'll be myself, G-Man, and Lemont back on on the grind again. So appreciate it, Voice America. Um, if, if if you guys have want to listen again next week, go ahead and tune in. But uh, we appreciate you listening to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel.